with. Just turn with me to Romans 8 from verse 1. Romans chapter 8, just verse 1 for now. Maybe if we can just read it together. Amen. Let's just read all of us there because it applies to all of us. Hey, the tone sounds like there is condemnation. Amen. the energy this morning. Amen. But you must read it in Gumtland. Amen. Have you ever seen when you you were bound and hopeless on silt and you were on your way to hell? But all of a sudden somebody comes and says, There is therefore no condemnation. Hallelujah. Uh, uh, you will read it at the top of your voice. Uh, let's, let's try one more and check the sugar level if it's fine. There is therefore now no condemnation Jesus. I'm just to say, all right. You, you know, when you read it, in the, in the original Greek, it does not have those words, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Uh, I'm told that the, the translators, they, they, they sort of inserted verse 4 into verse 1. But in the original version, that one is not there. It's on verse 4. You know why it's like that? Because once you read it, with that interpolation or that addition, it's as if now it depends on you. But this is unconditional. Are you with me? It has nothing to do with you. It is the sovereign grace of the almighty God. It is, it is purely by predestination. So don't read the edition. Let's just read that one only again. Oh, not to those that are in a church. All right. Not those that are in the movement. Hallelujah. Uh, to those that are in Christ. That, that's, that should be a, a destination of a believer. Don't ever be satisfied till you enter into Christ. Are we together? Amen. I think let's just leave it there and just close our eyes. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we are very much thankful this morning. We have come to the house of the Lord just to get to know Christ better. Because the mini, the prophet of the hour, he indicated that the main objective is not to create an organization, 
but it's to build a powerhouse of individuals by the way. And this morning, that is our objective, that when we leave this place individually, we should be powered by the way. If there is someone that is sick and afflicted in the building, just touch them and make them whole in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. But let the devil be a defeated man this morning. As I committed the reading of the way to committing myself as a, as a minister this morning, committing the church to you, dear God, let everything just run harmoniously. But above everything, let's have the unity of faith in the weight. As I commit everything to you, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. amen. While you take your seats. Amen. I think we'll just take the phrase as it is. There is therefore no condemnation. Amen. We'll just take it as, as, as it is. When you read Romans chapter 8, you will never, you won't be able to fully appreciate what Paul speaks about in verse 1 unless you go back to, verse, to chapter 7. Amen. Because in the in the original version, there is no breakup from chapter 7 to chapter 8. It is just something that, that just continues throughout. Hallelujah. Now, let us just go back to Romans 7 from verse 14. That is where I will begin reading from. Romans chapter 7 from verse 14. If you found it, it reads in this manner. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. You, you've got your, just before, you, you know, you look at a, the stature of Paul as a dispensational messenger and how he speaks about the internal conflict that was taking place in him. You realize he didn't want to project a picture of a superman. He wanted to show that it is by the grace of God. Are you still with me? He says in verse 15, For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. He simply say, The things that I would want to do, I do them not. And the things that I would hate to do, that I do. Are you with me? Now, in verse 16, it says, if then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. This is a dispensational prophet speaking. Hallelujah. Just painting a picture of the internal the conflict that was taking place in him. 
Hallelujah. How many have experienced this internal conflict in them? Hallelujah. You find that you want to do good, but you don't do good. There is always that internal conflict within you. Now, in verse 22, it says, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Hallelujah. Then verse 23, But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity of the law of sin, which is in my members. And it says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this flesh? Hallelujah. So this struggle, he speaks about this struggle, but it excludes Christ. He doesn't mention anything about Christ. He's just concentrating on himself in terms of what is happening within him. He's got the consciousness of the law of Moses. Hallelujah. But however, in his members, there is a law of sin. Hallelujah. Because we, we've got to thank God that now we are under grace because the law doesn't do much. The law just identifies who you are. Hallelujah. If, if, if just to give an example, if, if the law of the country says marijuana is illegal, it is just the law. It's what it is. It does not help the person that is addicted to marijuana. It just identifies him as a criminal should he be caught. Are we together? And that is why whenever he's got marijuana and, and he sees the police, he's got to run away. But the police do not have the power to transform the addict. But they've got a law to identify an addict. But you've got to thank God because whatever God requires, God does supply. Amen. Are you with me this morning? Now, but with grace, grace will not just only identify an addict. It will identify an addict, but furthermore, transform an addict. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's continue. Now, he says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this flesh? It sounds like... Uh, Paul's lamentations as he's going forth about this internal battle that is taking place within him. And all of a sudden he says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Then in verse 25, then there is a transition. He says, I thank God. Hallelujah. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Hallelujah. And it is quite amazing that as Paul speaks about this struggle, he uses the first person, he uses more I. Did you get it? Hallelujah. I find the law that I, 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 I. Hallelujah. But however, when he transitioned from his personal struggle now to Revelation chapter 8, verse 1. Now it says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them, not to myself, but to them that are in Christ. Now he's including everybody there. Hallelujah. Are we together? Now, there are certain things that we can get from Revelation chapter 8. Firstly, it speaks for me, it speaks about a position. Hallelujah. When it says, there is therefore now no condemnation, if you leave it there, it may sound very irresponsible. Somebody can run with this quotation and do so much damage. Hallelujah. But however, it identifies a place 
where once you are into that place, you can say there is therefore no condemnation. And that place, it is in Christ. Hallelujah. And if it is like that, if, if the statement says there is therefore no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus, then you can contrast it and say there is therefore now condemnation to those that are not in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So when you are in Christ Jesus, there is no more condemnation. But when you are outside Christ, then there is condemnation. Are we together? Now, it, it, it speaks about the three things that I would want to, to speak about here, that Paul is speaking about as before we go into the quotations of Brother Brenham. It speaks about your, that you are eternally secure when you are in Christ. When you are in Christ, it's not, it's, not, it's not an in and out movement. Once you get in, it is eternal. Hallelujah. If you, if you see somebody that is just roaming around, they have never entered in. Once you enter in, it's an eternal transaction. The salvation, when God gives it, he doesn't give it conditionally. He can't give it today, and a few years down the line, you lose it. It is something that he does completely, perfectly, once and for all. Hallelujah. So this morning, if you are saved, God is not going to lose you next year. He has saved you eternally. I don't know whether we're together here. God doesn't, doesn't save you, and later after he has saved you, then he begins to check what are the risk factors. Once he has saved you, there are no more risk factors. You are eternally secured. Are, are we together? Now, another thing that he speaks about is that you are internally free. Be, getting into Christ, it brings a sense of liberty. And this is where I'm going to dwell a little bit on here. In the world, I've, I've been checking a lot of things, uh, a lot of religions that are taking place around the world. And I've realized that uh, only few religions that whenever a person has entered into, they become fully free. Hallelujah. A lot of religions, when you enter into them, uh, either they put a strain on you as an individual or they put a strain on you, on your family. I, I was looking and it shocked me. I was looking at what happened in Guyana in 1978 through a man called Jim Jones. How he, he, he started the ministry in California, which was a great ministry. He spoke about shared values that, that attracted the people because he was amongst the first ministers that spoke about interracial uh, inter relationships. And he spoke about how God is interracial, how he's against racism. It, it looked like he was doing such a, such a great thing, and it was a, a great movement. Are you with me? Now, until such time, he said, because now we are being bothered, he bought a piece of land in Guyana. And when he bought that piece of land, he made all the families to relocate from California to Guyana there. And it was run about 900 and something people that left California and relocated and settled in Guyana. Are you still with me here? Then I, I picked up there is a, one of the survivors from that mass suicide. He, he said something. He said, as a, as a young man, uh, as a white young man, 
I had a relationship with a black lady. And one day as we were moving around in town, I saw a flyer that advertised Jim Jones' meetings. And it says when he spoke there, he spoke, the, the phrase was that a church where there is no black person, white person, where everybody is a child of God. It sounded like a, a very noble statement. And then they, they spoke with, a, with, a, with a, that girl that they need to visit those meetings. And they went to the meetings. And they were, everybody seemed very happy to us. It was great in the meeting. They were welcomed warmly. And later they made a decision that they need to join the rest of them in Guyana. So they left and went to Guyana. When they got to Guyana, this man that is a survivor say, one of, one of the most things that unsettled him is that when he got there, they seemed like there were restrictions. Like you cannot contact your outside family. You cannot have relations with your outside family. Movements were restricted, and that created a sense of discomfort on this young man. Hallelujah. And later, as, as, the, as the weeks and months progressed, then Jim Jones passed a law that there should not be any, inter, any relationship between a husband and a wife. So they've got to separate. Are you, are you with me? So that means he turned them into what they call a hermit. A hermit is somebody who separates himself because of spiritual purposes. Amen. Now, this, this young man decided that, no, we come very far. We thought this church is affirming our relationship they decided to escape the same night and left. And after they had left, the girl got pregnant. After she got pregnant, there's somewhere I'm going with this. After she got pregnant, the, she went to the hospital to give birth. And while she was giving birth, then she had a cardiac arrest and she died. Amen. So immediately the young man decided that he remembered that he, I need to phone the people's temple. He phoned the people's temple. And you know, the first way is that what do you expect because you have left the presence of the Lord? God is punishing you. Hallelujah. Then he decided that no, because he was out of the will of God, he took the young man, they went back to the people's temple. And when they got there, he says, right there, things were changing. Uh, there was a lot of things that were happening until one day the governor of California decided to go and check the people that were in Guyana. And this young man slipped a note into the pocket of the governor and say, we want, to, we want to escape. Why? Because there was no sense of liberty. Hallelujah. It, it was not Christ. It was, it was a, a cult. Hallelujah. And, and, and when I looked at that and I said, the reason I've decided to stay with the message of William Brenham, I've discovered that it's not a cult because it has made me to be more loving. It has made me to be more embracing, to be more forgiving. Hallelujah. If it ever comes a time where we would want to cut your relations with your family out there, then you've got to begin to be suspicious. What we've got to encourage you is that get close to them, pray for them, advise them, witness to them, and by the grace of God, they can be helped. Are you, are you with me here? This message, Brother Brenham... In, in his ministry, and even in Jesus, they, they were embracing. And that's why the scripture says, where there is a spirit of God, there is a liberty. While I'm there, I want to say, whatever you believe, whatever you believe in this life, you must check the effect thereof on you as an individual. 
And furthermore, check an effect of it on your marriage. Are you still together? I believe that a gospel must make me closer to my family. Do you believe that? A gospel must bring that inner peace within me. Hallelujah. So that's why we say, then it brings that internal, the liberty internally. The third thing that he speaks about is that you are positionally perfect. Hallelujah. When God looks you at you, he no longer sees you. He sees Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. But when you are outside Christ, you are condemned already. But when you are in Christ, you are not condemned. Are we still together? Let me read this quotation from the spoken way to the statue of a perfect man. Paragraph 172. The prophet says, we are not building an organization. I'm not here this morning to build an organization. Christ never sent me to build organization. Christ sent me to build individuals to the stature of Jesus Christ that they might be the powerhouse and the dwelling place of the spirit, capital letter, spirit, which is the spirit of God, by his word. And by his word, see, build up the individual to that place. Not build an organization to a greater denomination, but build the individual to the sons and daughters of God. And that's why this morning I want to say to you, you've got not to look at us as a church. Hallelujah. You've got to look beyond that and find Christ. Hallelujah. Because if you have found Christ, it doesn't mean anything. You just found people that you can socialize with, fellowship with. But you've got to go beyond where you enter into Christ. Because once you enter into Christ, you cease from your old works. Are you still with me? Amen. Now, maybe let's just read Ephesians chapter 1. The reading session today. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Then the prophet comes into this message, a believer's position in Christ, which is your adoption. Paragraph 20 says, To the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Jesus Christ. See who he is addressing this for. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, the letter is addressed to those, not to the outside world. It's not a sermon. Paul wasn't preaching to the unsaved. He was preaching to the saved, the called out, the separated, the set aside, and the faithful in the call. Now, that's who is addressing it to in Jesus. The believer's position in Christ, hallelujah, he says the believer can only worship Christ as he is positionally placed in Christ. I don't believe you get it. Let me go another route. It says a believer cannot worship and has no right to worship outside being in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Hallelujah. This morning, if you are outside Christ, you've got no legal right to worship the almighty God. But however, when you have entered into Christ, not a church building, into Christ, then you've got a legal right to require whatever you can require from the almighty God. Hallelujah. Now, speaking about a position, in the Christ as the mystery of God revealed, paragraph 182, he says, heavenly places. He says, oh, I wish I had time. Here we've got to mark it right here in the Bible about heavenly places. That, what is heavenly places? Heavenly places, just for a moment, is the believer's position in Christ. Where the believer stands in Christ. So, Christ, Christ is the central point of worship. Hallelujah. Where has he decided to place his name on? Not on the church, not on a building, but on Christ. Hallelujah. So when a believer, a believer, all the believers, if they are to worship Christ in spirit and in truth, they must enter into Christ. And outside Christ, there is no true worship. Are you with me this morning? Hallelujah. Now, going back to what Paul speaks about when he speaks about the law. We know that uh, by Adam, we are all condemned. We know that by the first birth, a first birth has got some spiritual defects. When you were born under the first birth, what happened is that we realized that the devil had contaminated the genetic pool. Are you still with me? No matter how you wish to be perfect, you would never be perfect under the first birth. Hallelujah. No matter, and the first birth, by its nature, it made you to enter into a marital union with the devil. That's what the prophet speaks about. He says, from that time, under, under Adam, we were all condemned. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter in which family we were born in. It doesn't matter if you were a pope or a priest. All of us, under the, new, under the old birth, were condemned. Hallelujah. But there had to be the second Adam to reverse the damage. Hallelujah. There had to be the second Adam through which we must be born again. And when we are born again under the second Adam, now the genetic pool is cleaned. Hallelujah. Now the people that are imperfect now can become perfect. The people that are unholy can now become holy. The people that were rejected can now be accepted. The people that were, were, were sinners can now be forgiven. Hallelujah. It is imperative to be born again. If you are not born again, you don't know the spirits that are leading you. It could be a family spirit. It could be certain demons that dominated your family for a long time. But I want to tell you, under the second, the new birth, it breaks every cycle. Hallelujah. Actually, the new birth stops the devil in his tracks. I hope we are together here. Now, we realize through, and, and let me tell you something. You can never divorce the devil and get married to Christ. Are you still with me? Christ is not an adulterer. Hallelujah. That's why Paul says, if the husband is still alive, the woman is bound to the law of her husband. But when the husband is dead, she's free from the law of her husband. Now she can be married. But if she gets married while the husband is still alive, then she's an adulterer. Are you with me? 
So this morning, Christ can never be married to an adulterer. When you come to Christ, you must not only divorce the world, you must not only divorce Christ, uh, uh, the, the table, because when you divorce, there is a chance that you can be reconciled with the one that you divorced. Are you with me here? But when you get married to Christ, there must be a death case. There must be a point where your former husband is dead. Hallelujah. And furthermore, you must die as well. Hallelujah. The old union must die. The old habits must die. The old thoughts must die. The old life must go away. And when you are like that, then you are ready to be married to Christ. The greatest stumbling block in Christian cycles today, people would want to divorce the devil and attempt to get married to Christ while the devil is still alive. And when he's still alive, have you ever seen when you have married to a woman that divorced her husband? And the husband is still roaming around and she, hallelujah, these days they go all over and talk about things that happened in the relationship. It will put a strain on your relationship. That there is somebody there is talking about you. I mean, if you are married to a woman that was married to somebody, if that man says something, it will affect you mentally. If he can say, she almost killed me, you'll sleep with one eye open. (laughs) Hallelujah. Why? Why is it like that? Hallelujah. It's because the man is still alive. He can, he can make derogatory statements, statements that misrepresent the character of your wife. Hallelujah. And she can deny, but that thing, it will be magnetized to your mind. But this morning, I want to thank God that the devil has got no legal claim on me this morning. The devil is not divorced, but he dies. And now I'm a new creature. Stay with me here. A new creature with a clean slate. Married to Christ. And therefore, why? Then we can say, therefore. The conclusion of the whole matter. The summation of the whole matter. Therefore, it's a conclusion. It's a bold statement. It concludes all arguments. Yes, there is internal struggle. A struggle between Paul, the Saul and Paul. Because you must remember, he had two natures in him. But he, when he comes to the end, he says, Now, let God be praised. Let God be praised. Then he comes to, Revelation, to, to Romans 8 verse 1. He says, Therefore, Therefore, There is no more condemnation to them that are in Christ. He was saying the table, you've got no record of me. You've got nothing that you can use against me. I am not only forgiven, but I'm justified. It's as if I've never done it in the first place. This morning you've got to be happy. The devil has got no claim over you. There is therefore no condemnation. Hallelujah. And the devil would want to condemn you. But you've got a scripture this morning. When you have entered, but firstly, before you make the statement, enter in. Find Christ and enter into him. 
And once you enter into him, the devil has got no case. He cannot put you on a guilt trip anymore. Are you still with me? Maybe just to get ahead of myself. It's quite amazing when Romans 8 verse 1 starts. It it, it starts with a bold statement. There is no more condemnation. And when you read, you come to the end of it. He says, there will not be any separation from us and the love of God. Oh, I love this. This is a good Bible to read. A good scripture. There is no more condemnation. Then he goes right to the end of it and says, what is it that can separate us from the love of God? Could it be strife? Could it be whatever it may be? He says, nothing can separate us. Once you can no longer be condemned, you can no longer be separated. Hope we are together. Now the prophet comes in this message, the invisible union of, of the bride. Paragraph 222, two, two. he says, well, you are separated from your first union by spiritual death. Now you are born again to the new spiritual union, not of your natural life of the things of the world, but of eternal life. That germ that was in you at the beginning found you. Not now. Your old book is gone. Remember, everyone, whenever you are born here, there is a book of life that documents the events of your life. And this book of life, everything, your thoughts are recorded. Everything that you've ever done is written in there. And this book is the one that is going to be used when the judgment, at the white throne judgment. Even you as a believer, when you were born, your name was written, was there in the book of life. Hallelujah. Your deeds were written there. Everything that you did, everything that you thought was written there. Are we still with me? But listen to what the prophet messenger says. But he says, no, your old book is gone with your old union. Your name is no longer in the old book. Has been now transferred. Now you say, do you mean to tell me my old book? Yes, God put it into the sea of his forgetfulness. You stand perfectly before God. That's a bold statement. You stand perfectly before God. Now, your name is now in the new book. Not the book of life, but the Lamb's book of life. What the Lamb redeemed. Not the old book of your natural union, but your new book, which is of the bride. Your new life is in the Lamb's book of life, which is your marriage certificate. Hallelujah. Where your true eternal gem from the beginning takes hold. Now you are not forgiven, but you are now justified. Hallelujah. And if you take it like this, the book of life, it's a time book. It writes what happened during the time dispensation. Hallelujah. As soon as you are born, the name is written there. The deeds get recorded and everything. However, when you are born again, your name is get transferred from that book into the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. And actually we can say your name has always been 
in the Lamb's book of life. There was never a time where God sat down after you were born again and decided to write your name there. And this morning, the reason you came to Christ, it is not because somebody preached mightily. It's not because for some reason you became lucky. It is not a sheer coincidence, but God in his sovereign thoughts, he knew the time when you would come and provided the mechanism for you to come. And when the time came, that day when the brother met you, it was not a coincidence or as the sister testified to you. No, it was foreordained by God before the foundation of the world that on such and such a time, this man, this woman must come in. And when it happened, you couldn't miss that moment. Maybe there are a series of events that happened as a build-up to that moment, and you didn't know what was happening. Maybe you got sick, and for some reason they, they said, come to church, let us lay hands on you. It was ordained by God. This is why I love it when he speaks about the Samaritan woman and says, Christ, he had to go by the way of Samaria. Why, when there were so many ways, he chose the Samaritan route? It's because somebody was there, waiting way beyond the foundation of the world, that at the right time, Christ will come my way. If you have been predestinated, you will never miss it. If you were meant to go to heaven, you will never miss it. It is predestinated, it is foreordained, the devil shall never stop it. This morning I can take it further and say it is compulsory for a child of God to go to heaven. It is compulsory that if you are ordained for heaven, you are going there. If you are not going there, God is a liar. And God is not a liar. If he gives a promise, he will honor the promise. But when you were born, the devil thought he had all of us. Because the prophet said he injected himself into the human race. He made sure that there is deficiency in the human race. We were all born. No one taught you to speak lies. You came as a master. It was in your genes. Hallelujah. When as you grew up, things that you did, you were never taught. It's in your nature. The devil thought he had you. But one day, whatever God demands, God supplies. God realized that there is no one that was worthy to break this cycle until he himself decided to create a body. And after he had created the body, he stepped into the body and went to Golgotha and died between the heavens and the earth. And after he died, the life that was in him moved into the believer. And today, no matter what the devil says, He's got no claim on us. No matter what the devil says he sees, he sees nothing. Because God is looking at you through the blood of Jesus Christ. And when you look at red through red, it becomes white. Your sin wears red as they can be. But the blood of Jesus wears red as they can be. And this morning when Christ looks at you, he doesn't see you, he sees a perfect man. He sees a perfect woman. But you've got to check where you are. You cannot live any kind of life and claim that I'm perfect. You've got to be in Christ. 
I hope we are together here. He continues the prophet in the same message. He says, but the word justified is though you never did it. Oh, hallelujah. You know, let me tell you something, brethren. If you want to get somewhere with God, never let an arrogant spirit in you. Don't ever say, it is because of me that I turn out the way I turn out. No, say, it is by the grace of God. You remember the two people that came to pray at the temple? And as they came to pray, one of them was a tax collector. He knelt down and said, oh God, I'm not like this sinner next to me. Hallelujah. I do whatever is expected of me, not like this sinner next to me. But this man said, oh God, I'm a sinner. Remember me, forgive my sins. God will always honor that humility. Hallelujah. And always that attitude will always see them in church. There are others when they come to church, they say, we have long been here. We are better. We have no quotations. We have sung this. We have attended many conventions. But some others are broken. Hallelujah. All they know is that God have mercy on me. And I want to ask you, who's going, who, God will respond to who? The one that knows who they are. And humbly come before the almighty God. Hallelujah. By the way, justified. That is in paragraph 228. By the way, justified. Is though you never done it. It's not even regarded at all. How is it done? It's in God's book of the sea of forgetfulness. Your old book and marriage is divorce and debt. It's not even in the memories of God. I, I've seen a lot of time, brethren, where somebody comes in, gets baptized, comes into the service, but along the way, the devil still has a hold on them. Based on the things that they did even before they came in, he reminds you just to demoralize you. You, who do you think you are? You remember this is what happened, this is what happened. And you know it will not turn out right because all in your families are like exactly the way you are. Hallelujah. But this morning, you've got an answer to the devil. Tell him that forgiveness, I'm not just forgiven. I've received something higher than forgiveness. I am justified it's as if I've never done it in the first place. Ooh, this morning, I wish a believer can look at themselves the way God sees them. Because when God sees you, he sees perfection. But so long as you are in Christ, but the devil will always, he's an accuser of brethren. You run a few years, he comes and whispers into your ear, you remember that's what you did. You, hallelujah. But you've got to whisper back and say, you don't know David. Even God doesn't remember it. If God doesn't remember it, I don't care. Hallelujah. But check that your spirit bears record with his spirit that you are his son. You are his daughter. When it bears record, then it's forgiven. Hallelujah. No, it's not even, he says, you are justified. You were accused. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
you never done it in the first place. The, the old union in the sea of God's forgetfulness. You weren't married to it to begin with. He, the bridegroom, bore your shame himself in your place. He took your place for you were predestinated for him to be in his bride before the foundation of the world. The Bible said so. You are a predestinated seed. How did you come? You were deceived into your first marriage through Eve. It's not a fault of your own. And this morning I want to say, sinner friend, God will not hold you responsible for being a sinner. It's not your fault. But he will hold you responsible for remaining a sinner. By your natural birth, you came after Eve, who committed adultery. That's the reason you were born, you were born an adulterer or adulteress. You are a sinner to begin with. That's right. You were deceived. It's not your fault. You never did it. Because that little germ that was in you was to be you before the foundation of the world. God put your name in the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. Now, let us come to this. When Brother Brendan came and, and was taken to Mount Sunset, we know that he, that's when Revelation chapter 10, verse 1 was fulfilled, where the mighty angel came down. Hallelujah. The Bible says when the mighty angel came down, he came down with an open book. Hallelujah. When Jesus was here, he read a scripture in front of the Pharisees, and the scribes and the Sadducees, and when after he had read, he said to this scripture, today is fulfilled. Then the Bible says, he closed the book and gave them the bo- a closed book. Hallelujah. But in 1963, when the mighty angel came down, he had an open book. And the reason he had an open book, Brother Branham says, John, when he looked in the book, he looked beyond the curtain of time, and saw his name written there, and it was not the capital letters. The Bible, but Brother Bram says, God, uh, John saw another John. Hallelujah. So in the end time, the reason you are here, it must become to a point where you see your name under the open book ministry. And once you see your name under the open book ministry, the devil can never ever change that. Have you ever walked around and saw yourself? You will stop and be attracted to this image that is like yourself. So in the end time, some will leave the message of the hour and criticize the prophet. But I want to tell you, there are others that are there. They have seen themselves in the open book. And they realize, that's me in an eternal form. And no matter what the devil can do, he will never erase that experience. Let me tell you something, my brother. The devil will erase an experience of shaking the pastor. That is erasable. The devil will erase the experience of coming to church. That is erasable. But when you see yourself in Christ, that shall never be erased. No wonder Paul says, It was almost 14 years later. I know a man in Christ. Whether he was in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. But such men, I know. 
Who was that? It was Paul in an eternal form. For 14 years, he was absorbed in this experience. That I saw something that is higher than any other revelation. Me revealed in the weight. This morning, you must come to that level where you go higher and see your eternal form revealed in the weight. Where you can say, that's me before I came in this body. That's me before my mother gave birth to me. That's me before my birth date. There was you before your birth date. He says, this is addressed to the saints. It's not just a sermon. To the saints that are at Ephesus. To the faithful in Christ Jesus. Then he goes further and says, according to the way he has chosen us in him. At which conference? At which conference? No, say. Before there were conferences. Under which sermon? Before there were sermons. Under what man? Before there were men. God chose you. In Christ. God knew you. Before you knew yourself. You say, Brother Mariba, when he chose me, did he know that I've got mistakes? Yes. He saw all your mistakes from your birth date to your death date. But he disregarded them and said, that's my son. That's my daughter. I choose him. Are you here this morning? Mistakes were there. Work alone. But God handpicked you and chose you in Christ. Are you here this morning? Some millions and trillions of years ago, while you were not even an atom, God loved you. Today, don't bring your works, my brother. He loved you before your works. He loved you before your conduct. Where, my brother? In the realms of eternity, when he was alone. He never consulted with anyone. He chose you himself and put a seal of God on you and said, that's my son. That's my daughter. And when you were born, you had spiritual amnesia. You were absorbed in an environment where you were absorbed. And if you are Congolese, you behave like Congolese. If you are paid, you behave like Paris. But God said, he must come back. He is a part of me. He must come back. She must come back. And at the right time, the word went around the world. It went around the villages. Until it came at the village where you were. And others looked at the same word and they said, in a million years, I will accept it. But you, when it came to your doorstep, something moved. You couldn't explain it. Your mother spoke, but nothing ever moved. Your teacher spoke, nothing ever moved. But that day, your pastor spoke, nothing moved. But that day, something began to move. 
what it was. Something. You couldn't explain it. It was an experience that was beyond comprehension. And he said, no, 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 no. This is unusual. What was moving there? Even though you were in the mud of sin, and the devil had covered you with dirt, the gene of God was still inside of you. And when the light of the hour came, when you were there in the depths of sin, something began to move. And you say, I desired worship. I knew I tried to worship, but this is something special. These friends were not there. Family was not there. It was you and you alone. When something moved in your heart and you realized it was a supernatural movement. What happened to them? You began to renounce things that you held dearly since your birth. And question the church that you were born into. Say, but things are not supposed to be done in this way. And they ask you, have you been to a seminary? No, you were not to a seminary. But in you, there was a predestinated seed. And you began to let go of things one by one. One by one. What was happening? Another nature was taking over, over your being. Brother Bram says, when you receive the eternal spirit in you, it throws the entire structure in subjection to God. Something began to bow down to God in you. Hallelujah. Same with the Samaritan woman. Was she a church person? But God chose her in Christ before the foundation of the world. You are chosen today because you are already chosen. You believe today because you already believed. Are you with me? And once something that moved and you accepted God as your personal savior and God incarnated himself into you. He he canosed himself into you. Now it was no longer your thoughts. It was his thoughts. It was no longer your words. It was his words. It was no longer your life. It was his life. And how many here this morning, you even wondered what type of person did you become? How many are here were surprised by their change? They say, really, my normal self would have never accepted this. My normal self was too much entrenched in the things of the world. But since something moved, it has never stopped. It's God moving you. And if that thing is moving, then we can come to you and say, therefore, therefore, the, the conclusion of the whole matter, therefore, there is no more condemnation to them that are in Christ. I counsel a lot of people as a pastor that come to me and say, when I was young, this is what I did. 
it still stuck with me even when I'm in the message. Let me tell you something. It was forgiven. Not only forgiven, it was justified. If it was confessed after under the blood, it has no power over you. Are you still with me? Now your old book is now all gone. Let us read in Romans chapter 8 from verse 35. I think it, let it be on the screen. Let's read it all together. Hallelujah. Let's read it. Hallelujah. How many are persuaded this morning? Verse 39. Which is in Christ Jesus. This morning nothing can separate us from the love of God. I'm persuaded that, persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come can separate us from the love of God. And as I often say to you, it does not mean that when you are in Christ, you are in the millennium. There will be battles that you've got to fight. And you can't fight my battles, I can't fight your battles. Everyone has got their battles that has been foreordained for them. However, when the devil has come and rattled your nest and things are, are haywire in your life, I want to say to the devil, say to the devil, just one more. Hallelujah. Before he finishes you off, just remember one more song to sing. One more portion of the scripture to read. One more quotation to read. One more church service to attend. One more convention to attend. And uh, you will realize when you do, it has worked for me over the years, brethren. There were times where the devil fought hard, but I always say, I just need one more. Could be one more song, one more service, and it just gives you the strength to keep on going forward. And this morning I want to say, if the devil has demoralized you, just say, David, one more. 
God, I just need one more sermon, one more quotation, one more scripture. Then you will realize the devil shall never separate you from the love of God. Do you want to give up? Just one more testimony. Say one more testimony. Read one more scripture. And maybe the scripture that you'll come across is this one. Therefore, this, this broke the table's back. When he saw Paul struggling with his nature, he thought he had finished with him. But Paul makes a U-turn and say, let God be praised through the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you got the ability to praise God in the midst of your confusion? And you raise your hands and say, let him be praised. And it comes with a bold declaration. Therefore, when somebody says therefore, they have considered all sides of the debates. They have looked at this thing multidimensionally. And he comes around and says, Therefore, there is no more contamination. And I'm glad when the messenger spoke about it, he included you and I. This morning you must say yourself, There is no more contamination to me that I'm in Christ. Believers believe, but they cannot confess. Because confession forces you to suppress your doubts. You can't keep saying the same thing and doubting it. At some point in time, the very thing that you say gets hold of you. And that's why, change your vocabulary. Say, I'm forgiven. I'm justified. I'm in Christ. Don't wait. And Some of you, you wait for a long time. Don't wait. Get into Christ. He will resolve everything. You can never do it on your own. You can't overcome your habits on your own. You've got to enter in. And more than that, you've got to die to the old union and declare the devil divorced and dead. And once you divorce and declare him dead, you are free. You are a free agent. Now Christ can identify you and get married to you. And when he gets married to you, the nature of a marriage, he puts his seat in you. You receive the life that is not of your own, but of your husband. Hallelujah. Have you ever seen a young girl after she got married? Hallelujah. After she, she, she gets pregnant. Hallelujah. She moves around with another life in her. Hallelujah. That life, my brother, oh my. When you are pregnant, you, you change your wardrobe. Even if you loved that dress for so many years, and you know what's with this one they know when I've arrived. But the pregnancy will make sure you let go of that dress. The life of Christ in you, even if you loved wealthy things, you, you just outgrow them. Because there is another life that is growing within you. And furthermore, if you love to be not butter, you don't love it anymore. 
Because it's no longer your taste. There is another life in you that determines your taste. Hear me, my brother. If you at last, and that life enters into you, you rise above your last. If you used to admire and say, age, people that know you, they no longer see you the same because you are no longer attracted. There is another life that is growing within you. And the nature of the pregnancy is that you can hide it in the first trimester. Hallelujah. And put a nice belt and it doesn't show. But as another trimester comes, it shows. Once you have received the life of Christ in you, you can hide it for a few weeks, few months. But somebody will say, you look different. You talk different. There's another life that is growing in you. I don't know how many have experienced that. I don't know how many have experienced that. Another life growing in you. It's no longer you. Once pregnancy takes place, it's no longer the woman that determines. It's beyond her will. Once Christ drops into your heart, it's no longer your will. It is his will. Another being takes over of every fiber of your body. You no longer go where you used to love to go. You no longer say things that you used to love to say. Something changes. It is the spirit of God taking over your physical structure. And when that life operates in you, and the devil comes with a, a file, he's a file keeper, and searches and say, on such and such day, on such and such time, you cannot turn around and say, David, there's no way that this life can be in me if God still count that for me. I'm forgiven. I'm justified. And the prophet comes and says, you are now Mrs. Jesus Christ. And what is the proof? You've got the seals. Brother Man says, the book of the seals is a marriage certificate. No other church has got that book. Only the bride of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Then you can tell the devil. And the devil must never surprise you. Praise him. And this morning we can say, all of us, let's say, there is therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ. As we stand up. How many love him this morning? He's a good God. No other name but Jesus. No
Busa Jesus Busa
Father God, as we sing that song now, O Lord, Father God, there's so many reasons why we are thankful, O God. Father God, but O Lord, today, O God, we rejoice, O God. Father, for there's no more condemnation, O Lord. Father God, you came and you, Father God, just showed us, O God, a glimpse of where we're from, O God. Father God, you came and you fetched us from that deep, muddy clay, O Lord. Father God, you washed us off, O God. And here we are, O God. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your message today, O Lord. Father God, we are rejoicing this morning, O Lord. Father God, for, O Lord, we, we want you to reign in us, O God. Heavenly Father God, for, O God, there's no better place for us to be, O Lord, but in you, Jesus Christ. Father God, we pray now, Lord. Father God, as we depart, O God. Father God, that you'd be with us, O God. Let us meditate on your word, O God. And, O Lord, and when we return this afternoon, O God. Father God, may we be ready, O God. May we, Father God, bring more empty vessels, O God. Because you've proved, O God. Father God, when we come, O God, expecting, O God. Father God, you'll never disappoint us, O Lord. We pray now, Lord, Father, for your servant, O God, that brought the message, O God. Father God, that you'd continually use him, O God. That you'd bless him, O God. Father God, for, O Lord, it takes a lot, O God, to stand in the gap, O Lord. But, O Lord, through you, O God, anything is possible, O Lord. We thank you now, Lord, Father God. Bless us now, O God, and bring us back this afternoon, O God, expecting, O Lord. Father God, for, O Lord, we know, Lord, that you are a faithful God today, O Lord. Thank you, O God. We pray in Jesus' mighty name, O Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Higher ground, Lord, lift me up. Amen. I don't know, Grandpa, what time do we start? Half past four, okay. Half past four, we are back here. God bless you, Rishi. I'm pressing on the upward way. You are Sunday.
migrated to higher ground. Amen. Just give us the last song. Uh, and then those that will need a transport after the second service, I want us to plan it properly. Just go to Brother Muslavi, Brother Mbayana, and Brother Ibadi. Give them your name and say, I will need a transport after the service so that it is better arranged even before we start the second service. Amen. Amen. But we want to make sure that everybody arrives home safely. That's our responsibility. Just make sure that before you leave, submit your name and say, look, I'll need a, a transport after the second service. But let us come and observe the Lord's Supper. God richly bless you in the, in the interim. Busa. Baba, 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 Baba,